we're on the 401 and uh i have a baby bladder and i had to piss and there's no he's like no we're not stopping we're not stopping i'm like okay well i'm just gonna piss in the back of your car like what do you want and so i got handed an empty beer bottle and i filled the beer bottle and then i pinched it and i was like what the fuck and they're like oh dump it out i'm like come on uh so i ended up throwing the beer bottle out the window on the highway in the whiteout and then and then miraculously they found a cup for me to finish my piss in welcome back bannock folks you're listening to another episode of Banecdotes, podcast that holds it down for the underground sound here in Ontario, Canada. And I'm your host, Phil Paxton. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review. Click that check mark, hit the bell notification so that you know when we are posting episodes. But I'll let you know right now, it's every Wednesday morning. And if you want to be a part of the show in any capacity, hit me up directly. Anecdotes at gmail.com. If you got any tunes coming out, I do these new music of the month episodes every last Friday, and uh, we can feature them exclusively. We also do these throwback Thursday tunes where we feature old bands from way back in the day. If you aren't already, make sure you're following us on our Instagram at Banecdotes, B A N D E C D O T E S, for all our updates about the show. Now, before I get into some things, there's a local band from around here from Niagara Falls, Wildside, who I've had the pleasure of playing with. They're a great band. Love that band. But one of their members has unfortunately gotten to a pretty bad accident this last week, and uh, they need your help. Drew Stark, um, he also plays in Candy as well, um, was walking down the sidewalk and got struck by a vehicle, and has got to get some surgery done and uh if you i'm sure you're aware that in the states they don't got that free health care like we do uh so you gotta fork out some money so if you could go to the gofundme page that's drew stark's recovery and relief fund you should be able to find it on their gofundme and if you've got anything that you could pitch towards that would be great i know times are tough and uh yeah he could really use your help right now All right, let's get into my episode this week. This week I feature Chode of the Filthy Radicals. This is the first time that I actually got to speak with him. So we sat down together and we got into it. And uh, we had a great time. He had some awesome stories to tell for the show. We're going to get the show started off with a tune of theirs called Scavenger. Here on Banecdotes.
Good evening, Cody. Glad you can join me on the podcast. How's your day been so far? Today's been a good day. How about you, Phil? Can't complain. Had a full day of work. You know how it is. Regular old Monday. Yeah, Mondays are the best. (laughs) Got to give a quick shout out to Gabe for putting us in touch together to making this happen. That guy does a lot for bands. Yeah, Gabe is the absolute best, honestly. Hardworking dude. So by now, I've let the listeners know, but tell them in your words who you are and what band you play in. Uh, I'm Cody, otherwise known as Chode or Choda Boy. Uh, I play bass in the Filthy Radicals, and I make a lot of noise. That's what I do. (laughs) Right on. Uh, So the Filthy Radicals put an EP late last year on Stomp Records called The Fine Line Between Real and Insane. Where did that title come from? Um, it actually came from uh, some of the lyrics of uh, Eric Crowley. So he's doing a feature on that. He's uh, opening the, tr- the track for us, right? And in that, in that opening part, he says, he says it's a fine line. He walks between real and insane. And it's just something about that line that just felt so right for the album. And just it just felt like it needed to be more than just a line in a song, you know? For sure. Yeah. And I like the like the artwork for it. It's uh, definitely Twilight Zone inspired. You can tell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, As done cool. by our buddy uh, Frank Maletti. He does most of our artwork. Oh, right on. Uh, so where did you record that record and who did you record it with? So uh, that one we recorded mostly. Uh, we did all of ourselves, but we did mostly in um, the rehearsal factory, actually. So we'd rent rooms and then we'd uh, record track by track kind of thing. And it, it took a long time, actually. That took uh, a year and a half, almost two years to get totally finished. So, Wow, entirely yourself. That's a lot of work. Yeah, we actually, uh, so we got uh, Scott Middleton to do the mastering. Yeah, you know him. Yeah, I see that reaction. Yeah. <laughs> so Scott Middleton from Cancer Bats, and he actually did a really good job with the mastering on that. Yeah, Scott's our boy. He's been on the show before. Oh, beautiful. I'll go. I'll listen to that right after this. for sure. <laughs> so how did you manage to keep that momentum going despite the pandemic? Because you put out an, like two EPs last year, right? Yeah. So um, we had the, the fine line. We had it pretty well figured out um, before before COVID hit. Um, and then um, we, we got the we got the offer and like everything was really cool and then COVID happened and it was like okay gotta slow down gotta pause right and so it, that was actually really hard um to hold on to that secret I guess for a while you know and just around the same time um Al Nolan started doing his curse blessing stuff and uh we were already uh buddies with Al and so he, we were talking and um we had given him one of our tracks um, called Freedom 45. And so we gave it to him for one of his uh, samplers. It's called the Safety Pin Series. And so I guess he liked it. The the visitors to the Curse Blessings records liked it. So he offered us to do an EP of vinyl. So we took it. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So did you folks get to play many shows last year? Uh. No, I would say, oh, I guess we're 2022 now, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, when the bands were finally lifted and it felt like we could, um, we did get to play. We got played five shows last year. So uh, I, I think two of them 
were seated shows at the Bovine. And then after that, the rest were um, open shows. How did you feel about those seated shows? Um, it was good. It was good. It was it's hard, especially like for punk rock. You know, you you're used to everybody being rowdy and drunk and having the best time ever. Right. And instead, everyone's rowdy and drunk, but sitting on a stool and bouncing up and down and like doing their best to have a good time, you know? Yeah. And I, I the audience is respectful enough. Like they just want to see live music. So like they'll right. do whatever they can to make that happen. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is that everybody there was just so happy to be there. You know, not not just them, us too. You know, it was like, holy shit. It's been two years, you know, it was two years since we got to play. So it was uh, it was really nice, even though it was seated. It was really, really nice to, to be back, you know, and to do the first show back at the Bovine. Also a, oh, an awesome thing. The first show back like our first show back oh, was at the Bovine. Sorry, nice, sorry, nice. misspoke. No, but I mean, yeah, the bovine is definitely a rad place, uh, especially that punk uh, rock environment. Yeah, it's definitely suited for you folks. Yeah, for sure. So how long has Filthy Radicals been a band for? Uh, I think this is our 13th year. Wow. You guys have been a band for a really long time, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Quite a long time. Same lineup? Um, For the most part, we've gone through a few member changes um, and it, it's... I'd say it's been a pretty steady progression for at least the last 10 years of the same. Uh, you start with uh, Kyle, myself and Jackson on drums. And then from there, we um, have just kind of added a member at a time. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been it's been a natural progression in the lineup, I'd say. So you've known everyone in the band for a long time, probably a very long time for probably even before the band eh? Yes, yes. Um, Kyle, especially the longest. Uh, him and I went to high school together, and that's where we started the band. Um, but I would say that, yeah, uh, kind of had uh, knowledge of Jackson and uh, of Molly before they joined the band, but I was actually in a band with Andrew before he joined the Radicals, so... Uh, so uh, Radicals isn't your first band? No, Radicals is my first and like my baby, our baby. Yeah. Nice, nice. Oh, that's super cool. So although the future is looking a little bleak here in Ontario at the moment, what would be some of your plans for uh, uh, 2022 potentially? Uh, right now, we're just tasked with writing a record. we got to write a full length and uh, Stomp's going to put that out. Uh, well, I guess if we write a good enough record, Stump will put it out for us. Um, and then we're going to go on some tours. So that's very nothing's, exciting. N- yeah, nothing's uh, solid yet, but we're we're w- working on everything as we can. Lots of stuff to do. And I mean, I guess now is the time to work on a record, right? They're telling us no shows. So I guess back to the yeah. basements and, uh, you know, DIY studios that going on. Right. Yeah, that's it. And well, uh, so I'm actually in the rehearsal factory right now. Um, so we have, we just got a room here, uh, last May. Um, and so this is the last rehearsal factory that was like standing or like left as a rehearsal factory. And now this one's sold too. So we have about four months, maybe, maybe a bit longer, but about four months to still use this space. So hopefully we can write and track here before it's gone. 
yeah, that's a shame that's happening in Toronto so much. Do you, do, what, what, what do you think is going to fill that void? I mean, so many bands rely on the rehearsal factory. Honestly, I have no idea. I know I have heard that a few of the buildings are getting passed on kind of thing to be similar, but not rehearsal factory. Um, but it's, it's a huge loss. Like it's a big, it's a big loss for the, the music community in Toronto. There were seven buildings in the GTA that were rehearsal factories. And this building alone has 50 rooms. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I, I played in a band briefly when my uh, friends of mine were living in Toronto and it was always made most sense to go there because I mean, they, they got the gear, it, 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 everything about that place makes so much sense and it's oh, so yeah. accessible for bands to just, well, to be a band. Yeah, for sure. We've been coming to rehearsal factories for like the last 10 years since we, since we relocated to be in uh, Toronto, we've been using the rehearsal factory. So, so it only made sense for you guys to do the record there. Absolutely. Yeah. So what got you into those punk and alternative styles like growing up? Um, I, I lived a little bit of a hectic life as a kid and as a teenager. And it was just the heavy music always kind of called to me. My dad like listened to like uh, Led Zeppelin and, and stuff like that. Meatloaf is like one of our favorite uh, bands or artists together. Um, and then as I started listening to music and, and getting more influences like Limp Bizkit and stuff like that. And then I remember even as early as like grade three, so probably eight years old, uh, the offspring Americana was like my angry CD. If I was having the worst day ever, I throw that on and it just starts off so hardcore and it's still one of the best albums ever. Right. So they offspring were totally going to come through Ontario uh, in January. I, I don't know if they are anymore. Oh, I doubt it. I doubt it. Big time. Omicron. Omicron. So everything. what have been some of your favorite Ontario bands within the last couple of years or so? What's caught your attention? Uh, we're good friends with our, uh, this band called Lime Ricky. They they just play and play and play all the time, but they are such a party. And these guys, they were... They've played a few shows like in Trinity Bellwoods parks, like with just a generator doing like this really guerrilla punk rock kind of thing. Um, who else? Um, Copper Crown was really good. They, they, when they, um, when they called it quits, we actually poached uh, Molly from them, our trumpet player, trumpetess. So yeah, they were really good and they were really entertaining and there was something they were like different. You know what I mean? They were still, they were playing ska and, and like punk, but it was, it had this rock feel and the vocalist was like, just amazing. Like if you haven't heard them, Copper Crown, you should check them out. Right on. I'll have to write that down. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, Choices Made is a really, really sick hardcore band. Yeah. They're a super cool band. Yeah. They're really good. Have you checked out a band called Block Parent? Block Parent, uh, yes, I know them. I I played a bunch of shows uh, with uh, Cerebral Scrub back in the day. So yeah, Block Parent is really dope. I was just gonna say, like, yeah, like if you haven't jammed that band, they're a great, like Ontario, like punk rock band. Hell yeah, cool. Um, before we get into some anecdotes with each other, what are some of your hobbies and interests outside of music? Um, outside of music, uh, I. I go in and out of playing Magic the Gathering a bunch. That's like something, just a wholesome hobby I have. Uh, weed. I'm, I'm a weed connoisseur of sorts. 
kind of taking a break right now, but it's one of my favorite things to like go shopping and find strains that I really love. Uh, some, some that are like medicating and some that are like just for unwinding and having a good time, you know? Yeah, no, I'm uh, quite the connoisseur myself. Uh, Hellbent is uh, the, quite the smoking weed band. So, yeah, I love that. Beautiful. And Magic the Gathering. Now, I've never played Magic the Gathering myself, but I am a huge D&D nerd. Oh, nice. See, so, I all. Oh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say this. So, like, I could definitely, like, relate with, like, the how, how it is. But, like, yeah. Uh, uh, what do, do you have any experience with D&D? Uh, I don't. I wish I did, though. I always kind of like I wrote it off thinking it was like super nerdy. And then the more and more I saw and learned about D&D, I was like, oh, man, that's really cool. It's it's magic. But you're actually getting to be there and and make choices of your own volition, not just you're not just stuck within the mechanics of what these cards can do. You know? It's funny how they're they have such parallels, both magic and D&D, but they quite like really don't really have much other to do other than like it's like fantasy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's um, there's much more story to D&D, you know, magic is just kind of like quick like skirmishes one one on one or whatever it is. But D&D has more story and more you get to be connected to what you're doing. Right. And you get to feel like you're personally in charge. I feel like magic is more like just like playing chess, you know, chess and poker at the same time. Now, do you have like actual cards or do you use proxy cards? Uh, no. So I did use I was like a, a cardboard, like paper magic player. But um, it's it's tough, especially like since the pandemic. But it's tough. Like it gets really expensive. The more you get into it, it can get super expensive and it can get really hard to do anything in that game if you're trying to play competitively unless you can afford it or unless you're really good and you can kind of win your way through. Um, but so now they have something called uh, arena, which is on the like uh, computers and Android. So I just play mostly on my phone now. Oh, super cool. Yeah. You just collect it digitally. Yeah. That's yeah. That's where everything's going these days. Right. It, yeah. It's a lot cheaper and it's uh, easier. I can just play a game. You know what I mean? I don't have to go somewhere and, and play like, 10 games in a row if I don't want to, you know? Life that won't keep us alive 
All right, let's get into some anecdotes. So tell me some of the wildest stories you have from being in a band, whether it's on the road or in the studio or anything in between. Oh, man. Uh, quite a bit. How, how are we on uh, drug use in this, We're good. this podcast? Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, okay. So for drug use and funny anecdote, I'm going to say there was one time I actually saw the memory for Facebook for that night uh, today. So six years ago in Oshawa, uh, I was still doing drugs and drinking pretty heavily. And, uh, we were playing with, uh, one of our buddy bands from Toronto. So everything was kosher. Like we we got good friends in Oshawa. We got good friends from Toronto with us. Everything's good. Um, someone asked me to go for a session to go do some, uh, cocaine in, in the car. And I was like, uh, yeah, maybe no, I got to talk. I got to finish talking to this person. So I finished talking to the person and then I was like, okay, I'm going to go get me some cocaine. And I ran to the car and we were in the parking lot. And, uh, it was like, oh, like I already, I already chopped up the lines or whatever. And, the the person who told me to come was like, no, 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 that's choked. Get in here, choked. And so he brought, they brought me in and he pulled out another bag. They dumped the whole new bag, right? They're like, fuck it. We're going to party. Um, and so we all did it. And it, we were all like, oh yeah. Oh, that's great. And then we, we ran out back to the show. Um, within, I'd say 10 minutes, we all started realizing something was wrong. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Things got uh, pretty spicy. So we one one of us was in the the basement in the washroom projectile vomiting everywhere i was walking around and kind of like wobbling and not really knowing what was going on like because you know not being in control of your faculties it's not really a side effect of cocaine right so i'm wobbling starting to feel really sick and woozy and scared i it's funny i ended up calling my partner and and leaving a, a voicemail saying i don't know what happened but i think i've been dosed so if i'm missing this is what's happening um turns out the second bag that got thrown on the pile was a bag of ketamine oh boy oh boy yeah and neither of the bands that were in the car for that for that session had played yet so he, yeah we had done a, a large amount of ketamine and, and we're not handling it well because it's not really like our our thing at that time so how was that performance all right it ended up being okay so uh once we figured out what was happening and that like no no maliciousness was happening right we first we had to figure it all out and then everybody who was out of control was kind of like corralled and and taken care of by our friends um and once we kind of all figured it out it was just like okay let's just calm down and obviously let's do more cocaine so that we come back up from the down that is ketamine, um, which didn't, it doesn't necessarily work that way. You would think it might, but it doesn't like when you take too much ketamine, you just don't have control. Right. So, uh, what was happening for me was I was going back up and then starting to lose control. I going back up and, and just like adding to the fire, you know, still trying to stay safe and, and, uh, have a good time and be presentable in public but like at that it, in my mind that night the only thing that mattered was not one falling over and two not being able to play my set you know so if I have to spend a bunch of money and uh 
rebalance myself, then I'm going to do that. Um, so yeah, we ended up playing good. My, my other buddy who had it the worst, I think out of the three of us, uh, he, he, he's, I was like, are you going to be able to play? He's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. He's like, you just got to like set me up. So I set up his base and then he's like, no, plug me in. I was like, okay. So I set him up, plugged him in, tuned his base for him. Right. And he's like, okay, fuck off. And then they started playing. And I, I swear to God, this guy ripped a set. Like nothing was, nothing was wrong at all, you know? And they're, they're fast, hardcore punk just the whole time. And I was like, very, very impressed. And then we played right after them. But knowing that he did that and he was like worse than me, I, I kind of felt like I'll be fine, you know? Yeah, it's just muscle memory, right? Your body's just yeah. on autopilot. Exactly. So as long as you can move your muscles, then you're good. And that's the one thing that some people might not know that's, uh, you know, outside of being in a band is you hear these songs relentlessly. They're oh, drilled yeah. into your brain. So there's no way that like you don't know them. So, yeah, your body right. can go on uh, kind of a autopilot mode and, and you're crushing them. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, I, I don't know if the crowd thought that we were good or not, you know, from, from my perspective, I held it together. And so did my buddy Zach. So you, you had bigger fish to fry, whether, whether yeah. or not, not the audience liked it or not. It, that was the last thing on your list. Absolutely. <laughs> right on. You got any more anecdotes? Um, yeah. So I was thinking, uh our very first show so most of the band wasn't in the band at that point i'd say half the band wasn't in the band um our very first show that was a out of town show so at that point we were um we were in london that's where we were located um we played a couple shows at the whippet and the embassy um which are were really cool punk clubs it actually ended up burning down uh at one point yeah sucks um anyway so so we played a couple shows in london we were kind of just getting our our feet under us and uh kyle and i were just like super hungry and and young we were like 17 18 i don't know how old we were but we were just we wanted it so bad and um we had just got jackson in the band who had already been playing music in bands for like between five and ten years at that point right like he knew what was going down at all times and we were just like there for it, you know, like hungry, hungry, young kids ready. Um, so we're driving from London to Newmarket to play this show that was supposed to be like a, a ska sort of night, like a ska punk sort of night. And it's really cool. We actually ended up meeting some really cool lifelong friends that night. But uh, I, I don't know if it was January or February, but it was the shittiest weather like it was a whiteout the whole way there so um kyle and i are both on uh too much adhd medication uh because that's how we used to roll back then and we're drinking the whole time and so jackson not impressed right he's he just like what he I, he had to be thinking like what the fuck did i get myself into right uh we're on the 401 and uh, I have a baby bladder and I had to piss and there's no, he's like, no, we're not stopping. We're not stopping. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to piss in the back of your car. Like, what do you want? And so I got handed an empty beer bottle and I filled the beer bottle and then I pinched it and I was like, what the fuck? And they're like, oh, dump it out. I'm like, come on. Uh, so I ended up throwing the beer bottle out the window <laughs> on the highway in the whiteout. And then 
and then miraculously they found a, a cup for me to, to finish my piss in right so but I, I don't know why they made me suffer but anyway so we get there and I think it was called the good times cafe and it was like one of those venues where it's not a venue you know like it's probably the first and definitely the last show that they had there um and we get there and our we're playing with a band I don't know if they were called this yet but they ended up being Charlotte Swallows um so they were a Scott Gore band uh from around Newmarket and Toronto area right uh so my buddy Chris Spatafora was in there and my uh my buddy Johnny Brownlee were in that band um and so I've been playing music with these guys now for um, about 13 years right um yeah it's good so we get there uh everything's cool we all kind of de-stress get there drunk we're I think we were opening the show um it was us another band from London called the Stiff Wires and then Charlotte Swallows um and so we played this we played the show I remember I loved it so much because there was like this this thing in the middle of the cafe was like um it would have been like a, a well but it wasn't a well like it was just I don't know what this installation piece was and all all the people all the kids were like skanking around it right and at one point I was like rocking out and I hit somebody in the head with the head of my base and I, I just like it was it was awesome I made it that night I made it like I'm a I'm a fucking punk rocker now right um and then the other bands play everything's cool uh as we're about to leave, we find out that the door money has been stolen. And it's like, ah, fuck. Okay, that's not the way you want to start the day. Um, yeah, right? It's, it's not great. Um, so we ended up going back to Chris's house at the time. And so we're there. Stiffwires are there. And Charlotte Swallows is there. And we're partying all night, right? Like, like hash gets pulled out. Weed gets pulled out. Everybody's having the best time. The, the beer did not like the beer did not stop flowing all night basically and it was just honestly it set the tone for what we wanted and what we did for the next like 10 years after that right it was the coolest thing and then we found out that what happened was um the person who owned the venue was actually hassling the promoter for more money because the kids got hectic and so they pretended that the money got stolen and so when we got back, we actually all got paid out <laughs> and the venue didn't get paid that night. So that's sick. That's awesome. That is, kid, that's, you know, showing showing the venues that the bands are the ones that are in charge, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not not a tactic I would use, but <laughs> still it, it, it ended up working out. They didn't want to play there anymore. anyway. So, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. That's crazy. <laughs> right. Any stories you got from being on the road like far away from home mm. um droid andrew uh our lead guitar player he's kind of crazy not in the sense of like he does crazy things like but he does crazy things in the sense of we played friday night in toronto then we played saturday night Pusa, um and then he drove home after our set at Pusa, but he didn't drive home. He drove to Muskoka. So we played Friday night. Yeah. Drove all day Saturday, played a show. He turns around and drives all the way to Muskoka, lands there just in time to start his shift in the morning. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. And then does a whole shift uh, doing audio engineering for, I don't know if it was a wedding or whatever. <laughs> That's insane. Yes. So that guy's, he's crazy in the sense of he will make it fucking work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What's, yeah. where's the furthest uh, the Filthy Radicals has gotten to play? Um, as of right now, I would say Montreal. Yeah, we've played Puza twice, I believe. And we just recently played the Stomp Anniversary, the 26th anniversary show. I'd say Montreal's the farthest we've gone right now. Yeah, Montreal's always a good time to play. Yeah. You just got to keep the eye on the gear. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. They're notoriously bad for stealing gear out there. Oh, breaking into vans and stuff, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. If you mm. get yourself some of those air tags, you should be good. Okay, yeah. Cool. Thanks for the advice. Oh, I have I do have a story actually from Montreal. You thinking about gear. Um, so we were playing another another festival. We were playing the trash bar. And our set was like in the middle of the day, sort of thing, but we had to drive from Toronto that day, just the way things worked out. Um, we ended up taking the wrong exit on the highway once we were like almost into Montreal. So I don't know what the town was, but we hit this exit and we couldn't turn around. We were on the highway until we got to the next town and our gig, like our, our set was supposed to start in like half an hour max from then, you know? So we're freaking out the whole time, like no music, everyone's tense, pissed off. Like, well, how the fuck did we fuck this up? We were so close. Nothing went wrong until that moment. Anyway, so we finally get to turn around in the next town, come all the way back. We pull up, uh, we pull up to Trash Bar, and as we pull up, we see our, our friends, uh, Marcel's there, and a few others, and we're like, "Oh yeah!" So it was all of Lace Galpies. Um, so we pull up, and they're there, and they're like, "Hey!" And we're like, "Hey!" And they're like, "Give us your gear! You gotta go now!" And they grabbed all of our gear and ran up the stairs to Trash Bar, set it up, and as soon as we could stand on the stage, we had to start playing. Oh so, wow! Yeah, so that's like a six-hour drive to. Okay, go, go, go. That was, that was a pretty crazy day. Trash Bar is a super cool bar. That's the one with the, the ramp in it, right? Yeah, yeah, the, it is. The skateboarding ramp. Yeah, that one's super cool. Yeah, yeah, I loved that place. Now, be, like being like a ska punk band, like I imagine, like, so like I've played in, uh, I play in a metal band called Sinner. So you typically get to know a lot of like the metal bands around in the area. Being in like right. a ska punk rock band, are there many other ska bands in Ontario? Right now, there's not a lot. There were when we started, and um, especially when Kyle and I started in in high school, there was there were scenes everywhere that were like this the ska, punk, and hardcore all mixed together, right? Like the ska core stuff, um, and it was actually pretty healthy at first. Um, and then it kind of has gone through waves of uh, popularity and stuff. But I feel like, for the most part, the hardcore ska, the the stuff that we were playing people aren't really doing that anymore but as far as like regular ska and and punk rock everywhere I, i'd say everything's pretty healthy right now you know there's not a ton like you there's not a ton of ska bands but it's not like a it's n not like there is none you know mm -hmm. yeah for, for sure what's your go-to gas station snack oh oh uh I'd say for the band in general, it's the five hour energy. Oh That's yeah. It. Oh yeah. Those yeah. Things I don't really. Work? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The, the trick is to figure out if you drink two of them, right. Do you get 
10 hours of energy or five hours of double energy. <laughs> That's what you got to figure out while taking them, right? Yeah, you find out after you take it. <laughs> is it different each time? Is it was like, oh, yeah. this this one was a 10 hour one. I can't fall asleep. Yeah, absolutely. That's the risk you take. <laughs> Five hour energies. And they're, they're like little shot glasses. I don't really like the taste of those things. No, they're kind of chemically, but they definitely they definitely fucking work. <laughs> Especially if you're doing the, the, the late night shift on the road, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so if Filthy Radicals was at the status of Metallica, you guys are selling out arenas. What's in your green room what's the rock star dream writer oh my god um okay so there would be we're talking we don't have to play the next day right nope okay okay so we're gonna have two two fours of uh regular beer obviously a two four of non-alcoholic for myself and kyle and then we're gonna get 60 i think you know the 60 ounces the, the big ass bottles of fireball just for jackson he's a big fan uh, of fireball eh? oh yeah he's always got a little mickey on him so if we're that big i'm gonna let the man be spoiled you know oh yeah um pizza definitely tons and tons of pizza um you, you know the like i don't know if it's an urban legend or if it's true but the thing about like the only green m&ms or something like that I think we would probably end up having that just for the fucking the shits and giggles of it. You know, I had learned recently actually from this show that I, I can't remember which band that started doing the green M&Ms. But the reason why they started doing that wasn't because that they were like uh, like uh, pretend, uh pretentious. It was because mm -hmm. they they put it on their rider to make sure that people were paying attention and like it, they knew that they were going to have a good night that night if they like followed uh, their rider properly. And if they didn't, they knew that they were probably going to run into some troubles. It's crazy that that is, but it always just boils down to like, Oh yeah, they probably just wanted the green M&Ms. Right. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense to me though. That, that really makes sense to me. You know, especially if you're a bigger band like that, right? Like there's a lot of little things that can cause a lot of big problems when you're on stage or when you're having a show go in general. Right. Absolutely. I've also heard some really good ones as like, uh, you know, taking a, a dog for a walk, getting to that's do that it. for like a rider. Really? <laughs> you know, I, that's, that's cool. It's like a form of meditation, I think. Yeah, you for know? sure. A little animal bonding time and some exercise. Someone also said some like, uh, uh, well, I forget. I, I can't remember who said this. So someone wanted like actual, like human furniture. Like, uh, like furniture, like, like people who are like more like, uh, like, uh, you know, subs that are just like yeah. standing there with your food kind of thing. <laughs> oh my God. That's quite the request. That's gotta be expensive. <laughs> I imagine. So yeah, that sounds like a waste of guarantees to me. <laughs> All right. So I got one more uh, question for you, but it's pretty big. What are your top five favorite musicians of all times bands? Whatever you got. You can't list five. You can give me three. Mm. Okay. Uh, so I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to say Meatloaf. Personally, Meatloaf. Just the theatrics and all of the, the crazy bonding, uh, screaming it at the top of my lungs with my dad, and then also all the bonding I've made with people who also love Meatloaf throughout the years. Like, if you can do, if you like Meatloaf and you can do a shitty karaoke version of Meatloaf, 
you're leaving that bar with at least two new friends yeah, you know fair yeah um for punk rock i would have to say uh rancid was a huge influence um the just there's like four amazing albums in a row and then even the the newer stuff which is like it's n- not everybody's favorite but it's still good stuff you know when it comes on and i'm just listening to random tracks i always appreciate it you know um i've gotta say uh protest the hero blew my mind when i was in high school those guys came out and it was just like it changed what i was listening to at the time so uh mad respect to those guys um well so that's three um oh queens of the stone age is actually one of my favorite non-punk rock bands um those guys cannot do anything wrong in my eyes um josh homie is always making some sexy rock and roll that that always gets me going uh, joey castillo plays drums for them right yeah, I think so. I think he's the drummer now. Yeah. Uh, there was one time the Bronx came through, uh, through Ontario. Bronx are dope. And uh, for whatever reason, he was playing drums for them. Yeah. I that's was just dope. Like, I was like, this is cool. What the fuck? I was supposed to. I think I, was it the most recent show? Uh, was it the most recent? This With was a couple Souls? of years back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was supposed to go with uh, our buddy Doug there, but I just ended up not being able to make it. So. Ah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know what? I think we can end that there. Thank you so much, Chode, for taking the time to do this with me. Cheers, Phil. Uh, where can the listeners find all the social medias? And if there's anything else you have left to plug, give a shout outs now. All right. So uh, social medias, I would say st- uh, stayfilthy.bandcamp.com. That's where you can catch like our, our music and uh, order merch and stuff like that. We're on all the Spotify, all the streaming, um, our Facebook page and our Instagram page are our most used, um, socials. We we're looking at TikTok, but, uh, that's, it's a whole new learning curve. So, you know, as you learn things throughout the years, being in a band, this one is, it's not like it's impossible. It's just a whole new thing to keep adding to. Right. So I would say, check us out on Instagram or Facebook if you want some like dope ska or punk memes and some and to see what we're doing as far as music and videos and stuff also we put out that record freedom 45 with curse blessings uh so you can order the vinyl from curseblessings.com and also our other ep that we just dropped the fine line between real and insane on stomp records right on all right now we're gonna end with bug stepper take it easy chode cheers man thanks a lot I'm jumping off the deep end, my mind is bent Where in the fuck do I start, where to even begin Give me a line, pill, smoke or a drink These are my tools for self-destruction And yeah, it's a shame that I'm not quite the same For this fine line I walk between real and insane There's no game, there's no lie, there's no fucking charade This is life, this is real, this is love, this is pain I get up, no satisfaction, ever step in a buzz What is mine, don't matter what the matter I get up, strange feeling when I see my own face Yeah, I feel like I see the pieces all in a place So what if, if nothing matters, why am I still afraid? Still having to lay down in the mess that I made So what if, if this is real, why do I feel made up? Why do I still get my feeling that I got wake up? I know that it's so kill me, I hope it's real, I swear
conversation with Chode of the Filthy Radicals. Great to get to know each other. I'm glad we can get to know each other on the show, and that's what we're here about. If you want to be on the show, hit me up directly. Banecdotes at gmail.com. You can also hit up my personal social medias. I'm all over the place. I'm easy to get a hold of. So if you want to be on, hit me up. If you have a single coming out in the month of February... Send it my way. I'd love to feature it on the New Music of the Month episode that I do every last Friday. And I also be doing these Throwback Thursday episodes. It's been a while since I've done one uh, where we just get real nostalgia and uh, play a bunch of old tunes from old bands around in this area specifically. The ones that you grew up listening to, and the ones that you remember the most. We got the show started off with a song by the Filthy Radicals called Scavenger. And in the middle there, we played the Baby Boomer Show. And we ended with Bug Stepper. And all of those tunes were off the EP that the Filthy Radicals just released that you could get on their band camp called The Fine Line Between Real and insane. Alright folks. I'm still bummed that the Bills lost. I think I jinxed it. That's the last time I'll ever mention sports on this podcast ever again. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> 